Dear Heavenly Father, you know us so well. You knew us before we were even created. Every breath, every cell that we have is because you gave it to us. We want to give you all the glory and the honor. Be with us now. We ask for your spirit. May our hearts and minds be open to your calling to know what is right and wrong. May we be in your word and walk with you all the days of our lives. In Christ's name, amen. Well, I was never raised an Adventist. Uh, unlike Doe, who was 3K, I was actually probably 1K because uh, I was raised in a Buddhist home, and we moved from Korea when I was about nine years old. And there was not a discussion about if you're going to go or not. It's just, you just go. You know, it's like, unlike here in the United States, we have a conference about everything with <laughs> a democratic process. We, don't, we didn't have that option. So uh, it came, and when I was in Korea, there was, someone invited me to church at one time, like one or two weekends. And when I heard there was a God, and God's in heaven, and he's watching over you, and he, he's going to uh, want to save you. He's going to come back someday. And I heard that, and, I, and you prayed to him. That's all I knew about God. I didn't know about Bible or anything else. And I, and I believed that there was a God. And I actually prayed to him several times. And he answered several awesome prayers. And I knew he was there. But when I made it to the United States, um, I lived in New York and came back to California. I uh, saw a church across the street. and went to that church for a long time. Until as I got older and started studying their doctrine, it was kind of um, out there in terms of you know, what the rest of the churches that were teaching about eternal hell, the judgment, um, you know, the torment, the secret rapture, speaking tongues. And so I, in high school, decided to leave because I didn't believe a loving God would allow that to happen. So <clears throat> I remember one night I prayed and I said, Lord, if you exist, come search for me because I'm, I'm not going to church anymore. So I went off to college, and fortunately, <clears throat> God had a different plan for me. I ended up at PUC, not because of the religion, but because I wanted to go to a smaller school. And uh, um, I was baptized the last Sabbath before I left, and I realized God is your friend. And he really does love you, and there is no eternal hell. So I fell in love with God. And then when I ended up in Loma Linda, I ended up marrying my beautiful wife, which is here right now, Nancy. That's her if you, right there. <laughs> Some people they think she's my daughter. <laughs> <laughs> and I have four wonderful kids. And I've been able to uh, go on several mission trips um, and been blessed by it. Uh, I, when I was in dental school, I wanted to be a missionary. And um, I sought for a... Uh, mission spot overseas after I was done. And when I did, there was only one spot left. Unfortunately, a classmate took over, and uh, I wasn't able to go overseas, which I think was fine. Uh, ended up, I went to private practice back in my hometown in Monterey. But while I was there, I started doing short-term missions overseas um, several weeks out of the year. And as it grew and grew, now I do maybe six, eight, a, eight times a year overseas. But one of, one of the places that I get to go to is Amazon, work with Maranatha, or go with uh, uh, some evangelists, go to Mongolia, uh, Egypt. I've been to all seven continents of the world, fortunately, by God's grace, and been to the art islands, several wonderful, you meet such nice people, you know, 
And I've been also been uh, director of the Holland America Cruise Line as an officer, and uh, we placed dentists on the ships and been to most amazing places. And here's my two of my favorite kids. Okay. If you didn't know, those are my kids too. And I work with many different ministries like ASAP and Army Bible Camp, if you ever heard of them. And been able to see some wonderful sights. But today, I'm going to talk to you about some of the dental things that we see overseas as well as home. And if things are not answered, please ask me at the end of the program. You see things like this. You probably never see this at home. But good little hygiene helps that out. You see things like this. And you get to operate in ORs. And you even get to do this at home. Last weekend, we had the San Diego Clinic. We had 30 chairs, 40 dental students, 15 dentists coming to help the community. And they, the people who came were not just local Californians. They were from actually all over the world. I, I, I would love to show you so many more pictures. But there were people from Ethiopia, Ghana, uh, New Zealand, uh, Southeast Asia, uh, Europe many, many in Middle East countries. So there's a, a lot of witness opportunity everywhere, not just overseas, but even at home. And we've done this at my uh, church. We've done this at Weimar. And here's some of the people here, from Mexico even. And this is one of my patients I invited. And she's not an Adventist, but she wanted to help. And she came, and she spent the weekend. She had a fantastic time. And she, starts, she was now wanting to go to church. So she came to Bible study this week, and she's now going to church next weekend. So praise the Lord. She had gone to a church like myself, and she had given up, and now she's found God again. It's, it's, your testimony will be someone else's uh, inspiration. And here's some of the people who are there. And this will be our next speaker right there, Carlos, if you haven't seen him yet. And this is the clinic we did at Weimar. What they did was they took a radius of two miles around the campus and said, let's see what we could do for the people around us. Because Ellen White mentioned the blueberry method. Pick the closest fruit nearest to you. And so they went out to the community. And they didn't do any medical work initially. They started just helping them, saying, can we help you with your yard work? Or can we help you move some furniture or do some dishes? And so the community was like, sure, any time. But after a while, they're like, why are you guys doing this? And they said, because we want to love our neighbor. And when we did the clinic, they were able to invite them. And now they have seven, eight people coming to the church on a frequent basis now. Yeah. So let me ask you, what is the greatest disease that afflicts mankind? You guys are too smart. That's why you guys are dentists. <laughs> you know, I try to lead you into this, but I'm, I'm not going to do that. The greatest disease, you know, we've heard of itis, of uh, glossitis, meningitis, you know, all those different things. I gave it a name myself. It's called itis. Itis equals selfishness. And you guys got that. Selfishness. That is the greatest dysfunction in the whole universe. That's the number one reason Satan's fell. He exalted himself. Selfishness manifests in many different ways. It's called egocentric thinking. You have anger. Irritability, defensiveness, arrogance, apathy, alienation, indifference, resentment, depression, the list goes on and on. Even fear is selfishness. Okay? The warfare against self is the greatest battle that was ever fought 
The yielding of self, surrendering all to the will of God, requires a struggle, but the soul must submit to God before it can be renewed in holiness. So oftentimes we want to do what we want to do our way. We don't submit. And the thing that changed my life once I left Melinda, you know, I was baptized. I told you I was baptized when I left QC. But when I was baptized, I went down as a sinner and came back a wet sinner. Nothing really changed. But when I started the reading the Word of God, when I was alone with not too many distractions, when I went to private practice when back in town, as I read the Bible, the Bible Word, there was a common theme throughout the whole Bible. Every person that God used for His glory were humble people. Never once did He use a prideful person. And I realized that was my fault. When I was younger, as, you know, I was athletic and was into things and I was considered, I, I look back and I'm thinking, I was, I, was, I called myself this, uh, stocky and cocky. <laughs> and then I realized, Lord, this is not going to work. You know, I said, and I, I, another prayer, there are several serious prayers in my life. And another prayer I had that, at that moment was, Lord, if you're going to want to use me, and I say I'm a Christian, the first verse that really strung out at me was, you will know them by their fruits. And so I looked at myself, and I said, I go to church, I, I tithe, I do, don't do anything wrong anymore, <laughs> you know, and so, but where are my fruit? How can I tell myself, how different am I from another person? There wasn't, there wasn't much difference, you know, I go get videos and do whatever, and just kept the Sabbath holy, and that was it. But there was no fruit in my life, and I said, that's not going to work. If the Bible is what it says it is, I'm not living that life that the Bible wants me to live. And so I knelt down and prayed, Lord, whatever it takes, be like Job, whatever it takes, take my practice, take anything you want, make me humble. And you know what? God is so gracious. He even blessed me even more. And, um, oh, let me go back here. So let's, let's talk about this selfishness. Um, the greatest fear that we have, there's two oper operational modes in our life. If you look at people, we have love of God and we have fear. And God does not want us to live in fear. Is that right? All right. And so God is love and freedom. Satan is about fear and control. And you can see that in operation in the world today. And one of the greatest things that we have to face in fear is this, rejection. That's the number one reason why we don't do ministry, because we're afraid of our own selfish pride being hurt. So we don't reach out. We don't talk to our patients. We don't pray with our patients. We don't do outreach in our church or even talk to even other church members because we have rejection issues. Is it true? Does everybody face rejection? Absolutely, absolutely. If we, and because of rejection, we sometimes have bitterness and unforgiveness. And in Steps of Christ, it says, if we keep uppermost in our minds the unkind and unjust acts of others, we shall find it impossible to love them as Christ has loved us. But if our thoughts dwell upon the wondrous love and pity of Christ for us, the same spirit will flow out to others. And we often fall into this category of blaming people for our situation sometimes. 
and I, I'm guilty of everything that we talk about here. Blame creates bitterness, but forgiveness creates freedom. Now I'm going to, we have to talk about some dental issues. So uh, since there's a dental program that's supposed to give you CME, I have to show you some of this. <laughs> uh, you know, you see these things all the time. It's like you know, we live in a fallen state, and we live in an imperfect world, and you will see these things. And people are coming to you for help. You know, they have pride issues. This is the exact pride issue we we're talking about. They don't want to go out in public and look like a hillbilly, unless you live in West Virginia or, I'm sorry, Eric. <laughs> anyway, they're going to come and say, I need this treated right now you know, in your practice. You've seen this. And you do the best you can. And I'm just going to show you, you know, quick and easy, quick fixes. Um, a gentleman came in. He, he uh, helped me with uh, building my office. And uh, he obviously did not take good care of himself. You can see it's a mess. All kinds of things going on. I don't know how you make your teeth that small. This is upper jaw, lower jaw. Uh, but he didn't have any money. And he just needed some help. So we decided to make a couple partials and rebuild his whole mouth in four minutes. I mean, not four minutes, four hours. <laughs> that would be amazing. Uh, four hours uh, with just composites. So we only did composite crowns, 360, on every 2,000 in nubs. Yeah. And so he's a happy guy. Uh, another area that we see often is hidden cavities that you can't see with the naked eye. Uh, it's like sin that's in, within you. No one could see it but only God. I wish we could have x-ray vision that we could look into the tooth and really see these cavities. Now, there's, another, uh, there's a new product out that you could use infrared imaging into the tooth that will show you these cavities. But for right now, I'm going to show you what we found. Oftentimes, I'll fill in or seal over decay because some schools teach that it's okay to seal and decay. But uh, and I, I tell the patients, would it be right if I sealed over a metal part that has rust with just paint? Would you be happy with that? And they said, no, no. I want that taken out. So let's take a look at this. When you remove the sealant underneath, you have this decay. And it's huge. It goes down three or four millimeters. And even a virgin tooth, it looks normal. You can't even get a probing on these things. But look what we find inside the grooves. Invaginations, decay. You get little kids in pain, can't sleep at night, abscess tooth. Um, I took that after I finished. so. You know, get them out of pain first. And then, you know, we treat that with, I don't do the traditional pulpectomy. I actually treat it like a root canal and use IRM to finish the roots and let it resorb in the future. And you can see that there. And we even use an apex locator and everything. Just do it like an adult tooth. So it's a little different. It's a happy kid again there. Right. And like this, she, needed, she didn't have very much money. She's a composite crown with a post, with a carbon fiber post. And to this day, as far as I know, it's still there. Yeah. But I also like teaching now. God has opened doors so that I'm able to teach overseas and here in the States. And I'm teaching implants and orth uh, orthodontics. Like though, I took all those classes with, with him to be a great dentist just like him. So uh, we're able to do these in office and get these done. And this is something that probably most general dentists should be able to do because if you could do a root canal, you could do an implant easily. And we have this unique matrix system that we have from Germany. And you're able to 
do these very quickly and e easily. I was so surprised when I saw the dental students last weekend. It took them like two hours to do one filling. And I was just like, oh my goodness. <laughs> you have to give them two or three shots just to keep them numb. <laughs> now we could do these you know, like literally in 10, 15 minutes. You know, it's so much fun to do dentistry now than when we first started. Crowns, simple crowns, yeah, using a good lab, another matrix system. Full mouth reconstructive cases, just a few of them. You know, and it's fun also to share. When I talk with the patients, I ask them, you know, when they first come in, we have what we call interview process to get to know the patient. And also, we want to know them and they want to know us. And I've after, sometimes said, you know, I think you might have to see someone else because what you're looking for is not what I have for you. And you have to be realistic. And um, some cases, I, I would have loved to have done it 20 years ago because I, was, I, I love a challenge. But sometimes, like, I don't have the time to do that for you. And, but I would think you'd be best served by someone else. Uh, and they are very happy that you can be honest with them because they want honesty. They're looking for someone they could trust. And if you are standing on the word of God and saying, I am a Christian and I stand for mor moral values, they expect that from you. Yeah. And um, so I get the opportunity to share it with them. When they come in, we sit down. Like these photos you saw, we put their face on, on our 27-inch Mac, and we discuss their case with a visual and say, what is that you don't like? Can I help you with this? Uh, are you interested in doing this or that? If they have no interest in anything, that's fine. Let's go ahead and do the ones that you wanted to take care of. So you're treating their need and their desires, not what you want to do. Because when you do what they want to do, they're more happier than if they, you, you did what you wanted to do. So bottom line is, whatever is best for the patient is going to be the best thing for them. And the end result, they're going to be happier, and you're, you will be successful. Okay. Um, so I had one patient uh, on a trip. She asked me about uh, who Seventh-day Adventists were and things like that. And so I shared with them a verse, which has become now one of my favorite verses. If you look up Ezekiel 28, 12 through 19, when you get a chance, read that. It talks about the anointed cherub that falls and then gets consumed by fire at the end and will be no more forever. So I asked my patients, I'll just, when it, sometimes when we do the, during the interview process, we found that I find out their spiritual background, and we get to talk with them. And it's really nice, because sometimes I have Muslims, Buddhists, Christians, and so we get to talk about different topics. And depending on who they are, if, and if they show some interest, we'll sit there and talk. And so we have, end up having Bible studies with them. My wife gets mad, because sometimes I'll come home at 10 at night, because I'm doing Bible studies with somebody. But uh, <laughs> not too much. She, she understands. But it's fun because I enjoy giving Bible studies. And so I have salespeople come in, and they'll, they'll be in town for the week, week or something. And I'll say, hey, if you're not doing anything, let's have a Bible study tonight. And I get to share with them, and it's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. But that Ezekiel, when you ask him, who is this? Some, most of them don't know who that is, even though it says it's an anointed covering cherub. Then you explain. You get to explain the sanctuary, the, the holy temple process of salvation, and it works for everybody. Uh, I mean, especially Muslims and other Christians, because they understand a little bit about the Bible. 
And so when you walk through the sanctuary with them and get to the most holy place and the covering cherub, now who is this covering cherub that fell? And, it, and it's, sometimes I like to ask this kind of like leading questions like, do you know where the first sin was? And of course, every Christian will say, I have yet had anyone say anything other than Adam and Eve. Okay? I say, no. Read this first and we'll find out. And so it leads them into making them think. But at the final end, at the end of that, you realize there is no eternal hell because Satan will not be there. And then you ask him, well, would God torture people in hell forever if he's not going to even torture Satan forever? They think about that and they go, oh, that's not right. Then I say, if you look back and when Adam and Eve, when they sinned, God said, lest they eat from this tree of life and live forever. Have any of us eaten from the tree of life? No, especially the sinners. So can they live forever in hell? Impossible. Right there, you destroy the doctrine of hell, eternal hell, right in front of their face. And then you, then you can lead, if you have time, into state of the dead and other issues and you know, doctrinal issues. It's beautiful. It's beautiful sharing the Bible. And my staff gets mad sometimes. They'll stand by the door waiting for me. There's the next patient. <laughs> I say, hold on, this is good. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> uh, uh, so these are some of the implant cases that we were doing. And so once again, I, I think it's a sealant or a filling, but you get, I think it's a sealant. You get in there and they're decay. I, I don't know if you guys ever treat these, but I do this most a lot in my practice where they've bruxed their teeth down and they've gotten into the dental, dentin. If you don't protect that or cover it with some type of uh, crown or filling, it's going to wear down faster and, and erode much quicker and fracture more quickly. So simplest thing, just do a filling into that space. Drop a one mil, uh, half a millimeter or one millimeter uh, slot into those and put a composite in there. Quick and easy, no anesthetic. I think. The greatest thing that we run into is that we're afraid to diagnose complete cases. What I like to do is do a complete diagnosis and then let them decide how much they want to do instead of just giving a little piece by piece. Because once again, I think as dentists, we're afraid of rejection, so we don't present the whole case. We only give them a little bit at a time. You know that tooth needs a crown, but you're afraid that they don't want to do it and you won't, you're going to get rejected, so you don't recommend the crown. You just say, I'll oh, just get a large filling, you know. And we don't, I haven't used mercury fillings in over 20 years in my office because they tend to leak quite frequently in many places because they're not bonded. I did bond for a few years before I switched over to composites back when I, after the first few years of practice. And those, when I do take them out, they're, they're like the day I prepped it. There's no leakage, no decay, no uh, staining. And you can see this, initially there doesn't seem much, but you can see the decay in the grooves. And definitely use caries detector if you can. Uh, like most patients, uh, she came to us because she's raised all her kids. She spent all her life devoting herself to taking care of the kids. And she came in with, with a, lot, a lot of issues teeth all, all over the place, decay everywhere. So we had to extract, we had to do some implants. 
and then we were able to finish her case with uh, some simple procedures for her, and she seemed much happier, and she's, she loves us, and we love her too. You know, our practice, I always tell, and, and in my life, I always say, stranger is someone, uh, is a friend who I have not met. It's, I'm like a, uh, you know, sometimes we characterize ourselves like dogs or cats or things like that. I'm definitely a dog person. I wasn't always that way, but now I am. <laughs> and I, when I got married, I thought, you know, everybody's my friend. You know, I know so-and-so. Oh, he's my friend. And my wife reminds me, he's your acquaintance. I'm like, acquaintance, what is that? She goes, someone just kind of know. He's not my friend? No. It's like my world just went. <laughs> Thanks, honey. <laughs> now, you know, in practice, as you know, it's very stressful. How many of you have been in practice uh, less than five years? 10? 15? 20? Okay. Most of you have been in practice quite a bit. You, you know, it's pretty stressful, isn't it? Having to deal with staff, their issues. You have to worry about patient flow. Um, you have to worry about equipment failure. You have to worry about advertising. You, you just everything under the sun. You're wearing so many hats. I, I don't know if it's actually absolutely true that the dentists have the highest suicide rate. It's not? No, the ADA did a study. Okay, good. And it was in the uh, journal probably about 20 years ago. Uh huh. Okay. Okay, urban legend. So we're not the worst. So who was the worst? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> you don't remember that part? No. no. It was more debunking the. Okay. And it's very stressful. And, you know, in early career in my practice, first few years, I was stressed. You know, I had bought a pediatric practice of all things. And can you imagine a children's practice, a general dentist? So, you know, they're automatically, you know, your referrals are gone. And so I started, uh, you know, internal marketing, and it, luckily God provided, we were just busy from the first month on because, you know, the previous dentist who was a you know, pediatric dentist was not nice to the kids. So anytime the kids needed treatment, I'd be like, do you want the other dentist to come back? And they'd be like, oh, no. <laughs> and I was very careful not to, you know, I was very gentle with them. And so the practice grew and uh, it, it turned out just fine. But, you know, it continually, you get stressed by the practice. Do you get stressed about your practice? Dentists here? Only two of you? Okay. <laughs> I'm talking to the wrong crowd. So, <laughs> so back here in the early in the career, I, I, I got so stressed, and I said, God, you know, the Bible says you, you own all the cows in the hills, and you're in charge of everything. I'm tired. I'm tired of being tired of this practice and what I'm supposed to do. And I said, and this is one of the critical, another critical prayer I had in my life. I said, you know what? I'm going to sell the practice. That's what I said. I'm selling the practice. I had enough. And I said, okay, God, you're going to buy it from me. Okay? You said it's, you own everything. I'm going to give it back to you. If it succeeds, great. If it doesn't, I'll go do something else. I'll go dig ditches, whatever you want. I'll go anywhere you want, whatever you want. But you're in charge of this practice. I'm not dealing with it anymore. So I stepped back, and I told God to take care of it. Guess what happened? <laughs> Eventually, I did. <laughs> you know, God, like I said, he is kind of funny in many ways that we don't know. But he uh, expanded the practice more and more. And I didn't really do much other than just sit back and watch it grow. 
I let the staff deal with the situations, the finances. And I told the staff, listen, I'm going to show up for work. And you guys are in charge of all the scheduling. Everything that's legal, I want you guys to do. If it's illegal, don't do it. I want you to be honest and happy at what you're doing. And so I have a staff person who's been with me for 18 years now, another staff of eight years, another five, three. Um, but the first few years, staff changes, crazy things going on. It was Doe knows. He was there through, the, through it all. I talked to him about it often. So, yeah. And I look back now and said, that's the wisest decision I've ever made, giving the practice to God. Because now I'm not worried if the schedule gets a little light. Because, you know, God's in control. You know, that doesn't mean I'm not going to work hard. I'm going to show up and do my best. You know. But I surrender. I surrender to God. Many are inquiring, how am I to make the surrender of myself to God? You desire to give yourself to him, but you are weak in moral power, in slavery to doubt and controlled by the habits of your life of sin. Your promises and resolutions are like ropes of sand. You cannot control your thoughts, your impulses, your affections. The knowledge of the broken promises and forfeited pledges weakens your confidence in your own sincerity and causes you to feel that God cannot accept you. But you need not despair. What you need to understand is the true force of the will. This is the governing power in the nature of man, the power of decision or the choice. Everything depends on the right action of the will. The power of choice God has given to men is theirs to exercise. You cannot change your heart. You cannot of yourself give to God its affections. But you can choose to serve him. You can give him your will. He will then work in you to will and to do according to his good pleasure. Thus, your whole nature will be brought under the control of the Spirit of Christ. Your affections will be centered upon him. Your thoughts will be harmony with him. Your desires will become your will. Desires that are not controlled will become action. Action will become habit. Love is of God. The unconsecrated heart cannot originate or produce it. It is found only in the heart where Jesus reigns. We love because he first loved us, 1 John 4.19. In the heart renewed by divine grace, love is a principle of action. It modifies the character, governs the impulses, controls the passions, subdues enmity, ennobles the affections. This love, cherished in the soul, sweetens the life and sheds a refining influence all around. When Christ dwells in the heart, the soul will be so filled with his love, with the joy of his communion with him, that it will cleave to him in the contemplation of him. Self will be forgotten. Love to Christ will be the spring of action. Knowledge without application is useless. You may have the knowledge of all the biblical correct doctrines, but if you do not apply that knowledge, it is useless. We may have the understanding of the Ten Commandments, and our church does, but if we don't apply that knowledge of the Ten Commandments, which is the law of love to others, it is fruitless. Love is faith in action. That's where we come to when we do these overseas missions. When you see kids like this, it breaks my heart. Well, even when I was a little kid in Korea, when we were driving around in chauffeur limousines, seeing these things just hurt me as a four, five, six-year-old. It just breaks my heart to see that. That's why I wanted to be a missionary. Love saves and hate destroys. Oftentimes, we don't get that limousine service when we go on our mission trips. This is my family here. You get into traffic, we get tired, you know. We go to churches that are very small or in the, under the tree or big churches. 
This is in Cambodia one of my, with ASAP. But you get to have a little enjoyment once in a while with the uh, different distractions at nighttime, uh, going to the restaurants near there. And here you have, we had, went to a camp meeting, um, and there was 800 baptisms. You don't quite see that here in the States. Like the Spirit's moving more there because the people see the need. They have the hunger for the spiritual need. Because the world teaches something totally different than what the Bible teaches. They teach that you have to be saved by works. Hinduism, Catholicism, Islam, uh, even certain forms of Christianity, they teach that you save yourself. But you all know that you, no one can save themselves. We are only saved by grace, God's free gift. And when I explained that on a one mission trip to a Hindu, this gentleman was fascinated. He was like, you mean to tell me I don't have to keep putting these flowers and foods out for the uh, people to eat? I mean the God's offerings? I said, no, no you don't. You cannot work yourself into salvation. Everyone tells you you have to go from here to here to be saved. But God says, wherever you are, I will come to you. There's never a story in the Bible that says a man has to search for God. Okay? It's always the lost coin, the lost sheep. It's a shepherd who's looking for you. And we, God's been so good, we've been able to see some amazing things around the world. Uh, and we don't eat these, of course, but they eat these. <laughs> Tarantulas. I don't know how you catch so many, but this is what they eat. Those are frogs, by the way. Everywhere. This is Cambodia. And this is uh, barnacles. And recently, when I was in Indonesia a month ago, they were selling sea cucumbers, and, uh, not sea cucumbers, sea anemones. I didn't know you could eat those either. But you get to see some interesting things, you know, different cultures, different lifestyles. You know, and you get to try some exotic fruits as well. You know, God is great. I mean, when you serve the Lord, he's going to open doors and show you so many amazing things that you would have never seen if you just stayed home and watched a video. <laughs> Look at my kids. Are they having a good time? Yeah? I've taken them since they were little babies. And the people say, oh, I'm going to wait until my kids grow up because it's dangerous out there. You can get sick. Well, to this day, none of my kids have ever gotten sick. I'm the only one who got sick. <laughs> and that was on an airplane, not because of any of the foods I ate out there. The roads are not the easiest. You have big potholes. You see some tragedies, horrible things that Satan has done. Uh, this is a monument to all the, uh, the killing fields. And as you walk, you can see, actually see teeth laying around on the ground from all the dead people. Yeah, about three million people killed. Yeah. And this is a lady I treated in a Muslim village. She's a but local butcher. I didn't ask for any food, and she didn't offer. But she, they love us. They give us little ducklings like, like that. <laughs> we insisted we don't want it because we're flying out, and we can't take an animal back to the United States. But they just insisted we have it, so we took it. <laughs> Duck in a bag. <laughs> the local village sheep, you know. He's, he, I think he's stunned. I don't know what I did to him, but, yeah. You see the interesting transportation. You see these pigs that have been carried around. You see monks carried around. And the kids, you know, they need a little refreshment, the natural kind, the best. They get pooped out too, so you need to create a little rest area. You visit places where people actually live in garbage dumps. 
their whole life, generation after generation. This kid, I don't know why, he just started dancing for me. But ASAP decided to create a program called Feed and Read. And they came to parents and said, hey, we want to educate your kids how to read and write. Would you like to send them to us? And I said, no. We need them here to collect the garbage to recycle to get money, 25, 50 cents a day, so we could just eat. So how about if we feed them? I said, OK. If you're going to feed them, you could have it. So we bathe them. I don't bathe them, but those teachers there make sure they're clean. They get their uniforms. They teach them how to read and write. So in the future, they could bring their whole family out of that desperation. And we help give out clothes. Some of these kids had never had ice cream before. There's also a Vietnamese language school in Cambodia. There's no um, uh, educational system for the Vietnamese because they're foreigners. Unlike the United States, we have education for foreigners. They don't. So this private school takes care of these kids. I'll tell you a story about this two kids. The father passed away and left a great gambling debt. Gambling is very serious in Southeast Asia. And so they were in debt, and the mother had nothing to pay for it. So that he sold her daughter, eight years old, to a tea house, euphemism for, you know, house of ill repute, at eight years old. And she, you know, how can, that's the greatest rejection you could ever have, your parents telling you. She prayed to God. She didn't know there was a God, but she thought there was, and she prayed, God, if you exist, please save me from this, and I will serve you for the rest of my life. And an Adventist man heard about him and paid for her to be released and got her out. And her brother was five years old at the time, sold her into, him into construction, carrying bricks and dirt all day long, 12 hours a day. There's no child labor laws, overtime, any of that. For a quarter a day, 12 hours a day, he would carry bricks and sand and things to help construction at five years of age. I saw them recently this year, and they're so happier now. I mean, her mother actually gave her heart to Christ and is a cook in the school now. And she is now uh, studying to be the teacher. And he is still in the school. They're teenagers now. And we like to have some fun. I brought some little toys for them to fix their teeth. <laughs> you thought I was doing good work over there, right? <laughs> And then recently, I went to Indonesia. And this island, there was no foreign dentist that ever visited. And when I got off the plane, there was this entourage of dignitaries and dancers and stuff. And I thought, this can't be. I looked in the back of the plane, nobody. I walked to the baggage claim. They came and chased me. It was actually for me. <laughs> I was shocked. And so you know, they had a full gala, band, everything, and lunch on the beach. And, and then afterwards, I had to take this gentleman's tooth out, giving God glory. But that evening, I, spoke, I got to speak at the palace with the regent and give a talk on sugar, the dangers of sugar. You know, God is amazing. He opens doors. I mean, I had no idea this was an opportunity. I heard that they wanted to give some uh, honor to the church because uh, the gentleman I was working with in Bali earlier this year, he saw that I wasn't hurting the patients. We were doing root canals in one appointment versus 10 and uh, said, hey, I have an, my uncle that's very prominent in this city. This would be a great way to minister. You know, before we got there, the Adventist church was considered a Jewish cult. So nobody really liked to go, only the few faithful. But by being there, you bring honor and glory to God. And the name of Christ is 
given glory because now not just the regent, but the hospital director, the bankers, they're all interested in coming to the church. And they attended several of the meetings uh, while I was there giving talks every night. This is clinic set up. It's very simple. I used to take three or four bags, but now I only need to take one bag to be able to do fillings, crowns, implants, root canals, and of course, extractions. I got tired after the first few mission trips just taking teeth out. I just felt like I was not doing a good service. They even made a banner for us. And then I was able to teach another island we visited on the way, some dentists. And oh, here. <laughs> Even the stewardesses, they were asked, they found out what we were doing. So I was giving consultation on her alignment of her jaw, her TMD, and uh, they were so happy. We gave them Steps to Christ and some literature, and they're, you know, they're interested in learning more about God. And we even got to go to Burma. The Burmese, the, uh, the, um, they call it the small wheel. They, they don't believe it, that you should help others because that's karma. Wherever you are, it's because you've done something wrong in the past. Whereas the northern, the big wheel uh, Buddhism, believes it's good to help others because that's going to increase your karma. But Southeast Asia, they don't help each other because of the fact that they're there because of their sins of their past. When we bring a digital x-ray and we help these folks. And the school, this is like their dormitory. And this is what they eat. You see patients like this. And they have no access to care, no money. So these teeth would have rotted out. How much uh, successability, I mean, is that a real word? Successfulness can they have in life if they're missing the front teeth, especially for women, okay? So I, I don't want to take those out. I'd rather do a root canal and save these teeth, you know? There was one girl, I'll show you. They're so happy, 400 kids. Oh, you get to go out and try their local fruits, like the durian here. Smells like hell and tastes like heaven. <laughs> and this is the food that we get to eat. Uh, and then we try to have fun, you know, teach them hygiene and exercise with different uh, methods, teach them how to floss and teach them how to study the Bible through uh, different ways, like that mighty mic we call it, mighty mic. Uh, this gal, um, she, her family, she was sent to school because of the fact that her village got attacked by the soldiers, and they killed her mother and chopped off her father's legs. So she had no ability to take care of herself or give her education. So uh, some Adventist families got together and, and gave her a scholarship to go to the school. So, and there's tragedies all around. We, we don't know how good we have it. And this is a team that went there. And uh, we go to Palau. We get to hang out with the king of Palau. He's Avenus. My wife got to do uh, prescription glasses, and my kids get to help. You know, some of these guys had never worn glasses before. And we have prayer in the morning and help out. My little daughter helps out sometimes. And the, this is Loma Linda team that got to go, consulting with the x-ray, get to see some beautiful things, get to do some the R&R, too, on the weekends. And the last mission trip we took to was to uh, Philippines after that hurricane. It was totally amazing. Four miles of devastation inland and about 60 miles along the coast. A 20-foot wave and just came and wiped out the whole city. They estimate over 30,000 people died. Amen sent a team of 24 
uh, medical professionals, two dentists, and the rest were physicians and nurses. And when we hit the ground, it was amazing. There was, it was <laughs> I've never seen anything like that before in my life. It was like watching a World War II or a Vietnam movie. There was no running water, no electricity. We had to bring our own generator. We brought over $10,000 worth of medication. And we ate rice and beans for almost a week. And we slept in tents. And they were starving too, you know. But, I mean, it's, for me, it was nothing compared to what we saw this woman do. She, she was bathing that little doll in a little bucket. And we asked her, what are you doing? And she goes, I lost my baby. And that was her solace. This little boy lost his arm. A whole ship tanker got lifted up and destroyed all the homes along the waterfront. Hundreds, I mean, families died. They were still picking them out, cars everywhere. Luckily, the church survived. The school behind it didn't do so good. This is our medical team. And we electrified the clinic. We slept in this abandoned warehouse next door in tents. Uh, there's a dentist and another dentist who came along. And... Uh, we got to do a follow-up uh, six months later, and we helped out at the clinic. This is our food for the week, which we brought on our own. We were able to do Sabbath school with them and church. But this is what they normally eat. You get to see some cute little kids. You just want to adopt every one of those kids. And then we get to see some baptisms like this and meet some wonderful people who love the Lord and help, love to serve. I was able to teach uh, future dentists and medical uh, students how to extract teeth. They brought this one gentleman. He was uh, 20 years old. Came walking over with his hands out like this. You know he's been rejected and abused all his life. Like this. Who You could just see in his eyes. And they said, can you help him? As a dentist, we don't deal with cleft lip. I mean, not this type. As a general dentist. And I, we had a general surgeon. And I thought, well, he might be able to do it. So we said, yeah, bring him back you know, a couple of days later. Well, I asked the general surgeon, can you do that? He goes, oh, I've never done one. You do it. I'm like, okay. <laughs> so I'm like, okay. Okay, he's coming back, Lord. I, I, I don't have internet. I don't know. I can't look this up on Google or nothing. I just prayed and prayed. He told me, you should probably try to do it this way. And so when I started, I tried. And it didn't quite work out the way he suggested it. So I had to take a whole lot of uh, tissue away and... You can see a little bit of jaggedness here on the side right here, just a little jag. But when I put that, with a lot of prayer, when I put that together and then put the last stitch on, I tell you, I, I was about to lose it and I was going to cry. And uh, <clears throat> luckily I didn't. But uh, praise the Lord. I told him not to smile, but he smiled smiling. Yeah. So that's beautiful. You know, there's a need out there. People are searching for God for help, for relief from the, this world's pain. And God's given you the ability and the means to do that. This is my little girl when she's 18 months old. Uh, she, I gave her a bag and I said, do you want to pass this out? Without a question, she just walked around the whole room, gave away little ch chips and nuts to every little kid that was there, an adult. It's beautiful to see that. Train your child in the way they should go. Big be happy. God's given you everything you need. I have a motto in my office that says, keep the faith, share the hope, and do all things in love. Thank you.
questions? If you have any questions, feel free to um, talk to me afterwards. Well, by the way, we'll, we're planning uh, several mission trips next year. Uh, Lebanon in uh, April. Uh, there's San Antonio Clinic for General Conference in April as well for three days. Um, you could do these clinics at home as well. And some of the clinics, we invited non avenants to participate. Why do we do it, all have to do it by ourselves? We even had a Muslim uh, health provider, a podiatrist, came, and he loved it. He wants to do it again. He wants to go overseas with us. Yes? Uh, yes. I've sent my friend on the world cruise this coming January. So there might be more available. I just, because I'm so focused on doing the, the work with the church, I've kind of neglected that section. I know I can develop that more. And I've been asked by other cruise lines to develop their program. I just haven't done it. Because I've done the, I started that program, I helped with that program, because of the fact that there are Indonesians and Filipinos on the ship for 12 months out of the year that they don't get to go home. So we were able to witness to them. And I actually had some really awesome Bible studies with them. But because um, of politics and money, they've kind of downsized the program. So I've, I've only been focusing on doing the world cruise and some other ones. But there's a potential to do more in the future. But right now, I'm focusing on uh, serving the church all around the world. I estimated that if every gra uh, Loma Linda graduate in, in, from Loma Linda spent one week out of the wheel, and, uh, one week committed to do overseas missions, they'll hit every country in the world plus more. You know, how much great glory we could give to God when we do that? Um, so Lebanon in April, right after the San Antonio, Philippines in uh, May, with Taj Paklip as an evangelist. I always like to incorporate evangelism, not just do the ministry, but to coordinate with hand-in-hand -hand with evangelism. And then um, Dave Stewart from Amazing Facts will be speaking with us uh, in Louis Torres in Yap in June. And uh, Bali and Alor, that line we went to, uh, uh, we will be going there in August and Tonga in September, and with ASAP, November, there'll be Burma trip. But there are other trips from different organizations. So keep an eye out if you're interested. If you want to do some interesting things, come with us and you'll have a fantastic time. Thank you, guys. This media was produced by Audioverse for Amen, Adventist Medical Evangelism Network. If you would like to learn more about Amen, please visit www.amensda.org. Or if you would like to listen to more free online sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.